This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. Oh, now I talk like Oprah. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by my bosom buddy, Bob Castrone. Hey, Bubby. Hey, Dan. What's up? We're doing this again. We do it every week. And a lot of people say, hey, why are you still doing this show? <laughs> Mainly our wives, friends. Yeah. You're tweeting at us. No, we- our friends have long since stopped caring. It's more our wives at this point. Like, right. Hey, the Friday night thing that you guys do, which is very transparent, what you're going for. Right. Where is the ad revenue <laughs> that says this should continue? Yeah, we're not bringing it home. We're not bringing anything home right now. But we love our home here at HeadGum. So uh, the throwback podcast episode, I don't know, it's in the teens. We're in the we're in mid-teens. Mid-teens. And we have a special guest. Uh, you may remember him. Last week. From last week. And he was so good. He was so special that we brought him back. Just kidding. We just recorded these episodes back to back. He's still in the garage. Jason Zumwalt. <laughs> oh, gosh. Thanks so much for having me back. You're you still know? here. No, you didn't. You didn't go. You're yeah, still here. It was like a whole like week where we were just like not talking to each other. And you <laughs> reached out to me and you're like, come on back. The show's not good without you. If you skipped over the Kanye episode, number one. You're racist. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Uh, you might not know who Jason Zumwalt is. Uh, just Google him. There you go. Google my name. J-A-S-O-N-Z-U-M-W-A-L-T. No, Jason is a... Good friend of ours for a long time. Jay and I have worked together for years and years, years too many years. years. Uh, made a years. movie together called Flock of Dudes. Yeah, no big uh, deal. It's on Hulu. You can watch it. Made like a hundred uh, internet comedic shorts together, some of which starred Dan as well. Big boy Dan Hanses. <laughs> Wait, I thought you were going to say that Flock of Dudes made a hundred dollars. <laughs> it might. No, I wish it made a hundred dollars. <laughs> That'd be great. It didn't come close to making a hundred dollars. <laughs> I was in some of your comedic shorts, and everyone knows I was the best actor you guys ever had. You were not a good actor, but you know Nailed we really scene. we loved how much you like you really put it all out there. There was an episode called Sixes in the City, uh-huh. where it was a Sex in the City parody, just about a bunch of sixes. I do remember that. And Dan played Mr. Big, or some version of. I'm Mr. pretty sure Big. I played Mr. Big, but oh no, you're right. You were yeah. Mr. Big. You were just another guy. Yeah, Dan yelled. was guy too. <laughs> Which but I was always comfortable with. I feel like that was your best. Per- <laughs> that was your best performance. Maybe. Well, we'll- it's funny because I was never. Uh, I never wanted to be an actor, but the way. And you're the, not in the old. Yes, I'm certainly not in the old days when you guys were doing your sketch comedy. Uh, I was always the guy on the bench. If you need, if the first guy said no, and then the second guy said no, and then the third guy got assassinated, I was always on the ready. I'd pick up the phone and and uh, train in from Hoboken. And that's how I ended up in a, a several of your sketches. Or yeah. just shuffle in from the other room because we all lived together for a while. Yeah, guys. there was that in L.A. We lived together in this house in the Hollywood Hills. Oh, so many great memories. Oh, boy. We really rocked it. <laughs> we literally put holes in the walls. I just I just realized, too, Bob, uh, because and we are pulling back the curtain that uh, we recorded the Kanye episode about 20 minutes ago. And now we're rolling into this episode. Uh, what if we roll out the Kanye episode uh, next Thursday and then the listeners revolt 
against Jason. And then we have this one like rocked and loaded for the following week. We're kind of in a pickle if no, the I, listeners hate b- Jay. Believe me, I thought about that coming into it because okay. that's a very likely possibility. I, I think what's most likely going to happen is this is what's going to happen. You're going to play the Kanye West episode and then you're going to do like a, another episode where it's just the two of you talking about an album that nobody cares about. And then, uh, then no, we're doing that with you right now. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> we're okay, doing that okay. right now. We are this the album that we're talking about today, uh, near and dear to Bob and I's heart. Maybe Jason less so. And it's it's amazing we've made it this many episodes of the Throwback Podcast without getting into the Counting Crows. It's amazing to us. It's probably not amazing to you guys, but it's amazing to us since we are, you know, self admitted Counting Crow fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll 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 be talking about recovering the satellites, the second album from the Counting Crows. But Is it all right if I address your audience really quick? I just want to say you something. Want, you want a little? You want the stage? Just we, just I real mean, quick. We told the you guys. We, Jason we, we told you not to. I, I know you hate show, me but. from the last episode. I know I was an obnoxious <laughs> bore. But here's the problem. Um, I'm with you. Okay, some of these episodes of this show. Uh, you know, what are they doing? I don't really know. Robbie Williams? Are you kidding me? So there. I'm going to play. I'm with you guys. Counting Crows? We really doing this? <laughs> I'm on your side. I don't care about the Counting Crows. These guys love the Counting Crows. I'm going to I'm gonna keep an open mind. Why are you calling them the Canning Crows, by the way? What are they called? Is that an Arizona thing? What are they called? The Counting Crows. What am I I'm going to say the Counting Crows. You guys hate the Canning Crows. It might be an Arizona thing. I don't know. <laughs> All right, go ahead. But uh, I, I'm... I'm your voice, so uh, You're the continue. audience surrogate. I'm the audience surrogate. Yeah, yeah we did. Go. We did kind of come to this agreement that like they will let you come on the show to do Kanye, but you have to sit through the Counting Crows. That so was kind of, pretty much. Kind it of seemed there. All deal. right, so the second album from the Counting Crows it, it was released. Uh, I know it was in the mid '90s, Bob. In fact, I know when it was because the album was that important to me, but I'll pretend like I don't know when it was in the mid-90s, and then you'll come on the mic and say, well, Dan, go fuck yourself. Go ahead. That's a good impression of me. Well, Dan, the album came out in October 1996. Of course. Now, what else happened in October 1996? What happened? I'm glad you asked Dan. A lot of things, including on October 7th, Fox News launched oh my god so great month for the world animal planet also launched that month so fox news and animal planet in october are you waiting for either jay i will not because i'm politically correct now but jason uh are you looking to make a connection between animals and uh the conservative public is that what you're looking for yeah that's what i'm looking for and and to be honest with you i'm gonna say one of those stations had a positive effect on this country okay and the other one did not yep yeah and it definitely wasn't fox news where's oh, the outrage guys hashtag <laughs> resist all right I'll, I'll give one too it's like whoa who let the chimpanzees in the studio that's what you're looking for <laughs> there you go you got it uh also in october- set it up for jay but i'll i'll take that one also in october <laughs> the new york yankees defeated the atlanta braves to win their first world series in 18 years that was nice that was nice. And if you're a Yan- if you're a Yankees fan, a sneaky uh, uh, sneaky reality of the situation is they won the World Series in 2009, but they've won one in the last 16 years now. So uh, a little bit of a dry spell for the Bronx Bombers. What else, Bob? And as far as movies go, uh, that thing you do came out. Doing that thing you do. Great movie. Directed by Tom Hanks, if I recall. Yep. Yeah. And. This movie. 
to kill my daughter and yes. curse you. Female. curse you. Thinner. <laughs> yes, one of the lesser Stephen King classics. I fucking love Thinner. Uh, it's about a fat dude, and he's a very successful white fat dude, and he's um, grotesque in many ways, not just physically, but in the Bad way. Bad person. Bad person. Yeah, in the way he treats others. And, and in the way he operates as a person after a night of uh, overindulgence uh, out to dinner with his wife. <laughs> well, you really do remember he's everything. driving home and uh, he runs over a, a Native American uh, mystic's like a, daughter. A gypsy woman. <laughs> it's like a gypsy woman. Yeah. And then that gypsy woman's father curses him thinner. Thinner. And, and then he pursues a, proceeds to lose a, a, a shit ton of weight. And then he's begging the gypsy to say, hey, I'm just going to take you through the movie. He's begging the, the gypsy, hey, stop making me thinner. And the gypsy's like, go fuck yourself. Uh, this is what you deserve, fatty. And then I think, I don't remember if he dies or not. So He does. As, he does as, that? As a straight up fat person. <laughs> go ahead. Watching this film. It was in a lot of ways kind of like wish fulfillment because <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it was like I was like, oh, God, that'd be such a great way to lose weight. Jason late at night driving around Arizona, <laughs> trying to run over gypsies. Uh, just looking for brown people to run over. He's like, you had nine. Gypsy I hope kills. their mystic grandparents are nearby. They ran over so many people and got nothing out of it. They just got terrible fat. person. <laughs> Definitely going to hell. Still fat. I curse you. Thinner. That Anything was like that was like one of our bits in 96. Was, I, I love thinner. I feel like we used to walk up to people and say, I curse you thinner in high school. <laughs> it was a total bomb at the box office, but uh, it's one of those movies. Like I still remember the commercials. Yep. And, and the number one song when the counting crows recovering the satellites came out was this underplayed gem. Not again. It's back. What the fuck? Never yep. heard this. What is this? Wait, we just did this. Did this come up already on the show? This was in our Weezer Pinkerton episode. Okay. Pinkerton came out a month before, and this song was still number one when this came out. Oh, so the Weezer came out in I believe September, it was September. Of 96, and yep. now we're in October 96. This is still number one. We didn't get enough of it. And I think it was number one all summer long, too. It's come still, on, it's still probably number one somewhere. I know this is actually a Spanish artist, uh, but I'm putting this on the whites. <laughs> that well, this was this popular. Can I say something, though? There's yeah. something kind of hypnotic and trance-like about this song that, like, if you're not paying attention to how ridiculous it is, it could kind of get you in, like, a weird place, you know? Kind of squeegee that third eye, kind of move on to the next dimension. I can see people, uh, you know, meditating to this song a lot. All I can think about now is, like, that video of Hillary Clinton doing the Macarena oh. that came out. Oh, yeah. Yep. So hot. Just looks so hot. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Sorry, dude. Sorry we react differently than you do to that video, Dan. There was, I remember, pre-election before, uh, shortly before... Uh, president trump was elected uh there was this faction of people that were like culling over like old archive footage of hillary and then there would be like buzzfeed posts like hillary was actually hot it's like bitch i remember when hillary was in the 90s eh, never hot you could talk yourself into it hillary was always hillary i'm all in watch that video of her doing the macarena from like 96 
Hell what are like her her mom slacks yeah. and like the big nineties blouse? As yeah. a as a forty two year old man, Hillary was hot, bro. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, here we go. So this is the beginning of the song of the album. Yep. This is it. Let's listen. All right, this is track one off Recovering the Satellites, Catapult. A little background. Okay, so October 96, um, Counting Crows resurface in late 93 throughout 94. Their debut album, August and Everything After, was a huge, huge hit. Uh, of course, Mr. Jones and Round Here and Rain King, blah, blah, blah. And they were kind of omnipresent. Jay, let's start here. Before we get into Catapult, um, what was your opinion on the Counting Crows circa 1996? As someone that Bob and I got sucked in by the first album, were huge fans coming into their second album. Where were you? Uh, October 1996, I was living in New York City. I think I was probably uh, the Upper West Side around 96th Street. Uh, my refrigerator was filled with cockroaches, literally filled with cockroaches. Uh, the first day I moved into that place, I, I went to the uh, supermarket and You're I poor. bought maybe like $100 worth of groceries, which was a lot back then, filled the refrigerator with it. I took a nap. I woke up and I opened the refrigerator and there were maybe 600 cockroaches crawling oh, in and out gross. of all of the groceries that I had just bought. And, and bought and, and uh, it was a, it was a nightmare. And uh, music at that point was really not at the forefront of my mind. It was more like surviving. (laughs) So for me, when I the first time I heard the Counting Crows, I'm going to say it was probably in a bar that I was bouncing in, and uh, I was more like just kind of looking out for like, you know, guys that might hit a girl or like guys that might get too drunk and like like start a fight. In Roadhouse, pretty much, pretty much. Different. uh, To me, to me, like the music was. Quaint. The music was a an attempt at something that had been done better before, Ooh. much recently. Uh, Wasting no time. To me, to me, the music was cute. Was All right. Cute. So, and it should be said, uh, Jason. I know this as a fact that one of your favorite bands ever, in fact, maybe your favorite band ever, is the band, uh, right. which was a major, major influence of Adam Duritz, the lead singer of the County Crows. And the County Crows band. So for you, was that maybe part of the turnoff that you were dealing with an artist that maybe was co-opting the band, uh, that first album in terms of their sound and style? Yeah, that's something I never understood about you because, uh-huh. you know, you've never liked the Counting Crows. Right. You've um, you've said awful things about them. Just awful, vile things. And some of them I can't even terrible. say them here. Some I can't. Of them are terrible. I wish I could take back. I don't even want to repeat them. But like Dan said, the band was an influence. Van Morrison, mm-hmm. huge influence. Mm-hmm. Joni Mitchell, influence. Like, yep. I know you like everything that influenced them. Yeah. Why are you such a dick, bro? 
That's kind of what <laughs> I was right, getting it's at. Personal, right off the bat, and I like it. <laughs> um, I, and I, I think what it is 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 that I think that if this band had been left alone and and were able to kind of uh, mature and produce their own albums. Uh, without any kind of uh, uh, industry being involved or any kind of production being involved, sort of playing to the the sound that was popular at that time, I think they actually would have been a legit band to be reckoned with. But for me, the Counting Crows were just kind of like your typical 1996 safe sound. Like I lumped them in with Hootie and the Blowfish because there's – really nothing to differentiate between them and Hootie and the Blowfish. We will, uh, we have a, a a personal connection, not direct connection, but a personal connection to Adam Duritz of the County Crows from our days together in New York with a woman that was connected to Duritz. And yeah, we we'll do. get into that a little bit later. Yeah, that, that Hootie thing will come back. But yeah, I'll, I'll say that now, that uh, this woman that was doing some hangout time with adam Durrett. special times we'll say special times we'll say uh they were at a cafe in uh let's say manhattan and someone came up to them and said are you hootie like, oh, and no, i know it was like oh my god i'm a big fan this is so exciting uh yeah i love hootie and the blowfish so it was like that moment your yeah. commentary while i disagree with it and i must add like i said to i say to our listeners a lot uh and i'll say it to you go fuck yourself yep I, uh, you're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> no, that's fine. And and listen, like as I said, I in 1996, I had greater things on my mind than what was currently playing. Yeah, the, on the cockroach radio. issue. Yeah, was fucking now, you know what? Absolutely horrific. Now, that <laughs> I, said, you know, I'm just gonna say I'm glad that they ate all your food, asshole. Okay. The, <laughs> the beginning of that song, I almost felt something. Okay. Now let's talk about that because that is what's to me the most interesting thing about this album. Uh, from the County Crows because if their first album August and Everything After was on some level a naked attempt to um, wear their influences on their sleeve which was the band and, and Robbie Robertson and all these other things like then this album was like a super in retrospect self-conscious attempt to say we're not just that rootsy like Americana band that you don't like we could like tune up our guitars and rock a little bit and Angels of the Silence, as let's listen to it right now, is a perfect example of them trying to change their sound drastically. I will never forget the first time I heard this song was on the radio in the car with my dad on 304. We were driving somewhere east and this song came on the radio and I was, my dad would make fun of me for liking the Counting Crows and like you never want to be made fun of by your dad for liking lame music. It's very sensitive. I was a teenager. I was supposed to like the cool music. My dad liked ACDC and the Beatles and like classic good music and when i liked august and everything after he made fun of me for it because it was you know wussy when this song came on i was just like crossing my fingers that when it was over he wouldn't like turn the radio off and punch me i mean <laughs> wait, wait he wouldn't do that no but <laughs> okay. he wouldn't turn the radio off and just make I fun of you. me I hear you. yeah 
And I was so relieved that this song just for the Counting Crows and for rock music in 1996, it rocks. It's like a real song. Yeah. It like they're putting it all on the table here. And this was the first single off the second album. And it is a song that's very like guitar, electric guitar driven. So they were, I think, people like you, Jay, that were kind of coming after them. Because that first album was so popular that there was a backlash. So they were trying to do something radically different, which I give them credit for in the sense that a lot of artists will ride that initial sound that makes them really popular for a couple albums, two, three albums. They kind of try to change things immediately, and I respect them for that. Yeah, I guess... I guess uh... This song's bad. If I if I were <laughs> if, if I were to punch you in the face, <laughs> right? It wouldn't be about this song. It, 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 it would be it, it it would be that you would you know even put this in in in, in the same class as other. You mentioned the ACDC and, and the Beatles. It's and, and you're like honestly, it's like. Uh, Wait, I didn't say this. Wait a second. You no, I know, I know, I know. But is this you, all circling you said that, back to you? Are you going to start talking about Led Zeppelin again? No, <laughs> Uncle Jay. Last Definitely episode, not. Jay circled no, things no. back. Honestly, to okay. I'm going to I'm going to be honest, really quick. Um, don't start the next song. Um, <laughs> don't tell us what to do. Uh, please don't start the next song. <laughs> I'm, axing here, buddy. I'm axing. Um, uh, the song's okay. It, 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 it's fine. It's pretty generic, if you okay. ask me. Um, I think that their first album was a noble attempt and, and and what i wanted to hear was i wanted to hear them take that sound further for me it wasn't far enough and and, and i didn't hear their voices in that first sound for for in, in that first album what i heard from the counting crows was their influences and what i wanted to hear in 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 songs like this was what does the struggle that those voices were singing about, what does that really mean to you? And this to me, I just, it just feels kind of flat to me. Okay. And, and I'm sorry. I and, get, I, and that's just, you don't have to apologize. That's what you're here for. Jason. Okay. I'm here uh, to be an Jason, asshole. by the way, just trying to pour his whiskey with the cap still on. Let's just take him. Let's go through his head, his thought process right now. <laughs> uh, Jay, where are you now? How many drinks in are we? Uh, it's like six scotches, <laughs> something like that. Uh, track three is this was another single. So Angel of the Silence, just to to take you through this time period. But Counterpoint to everything Jay just said. I fucking love that song. And go fuck yourself. <laughs> As you should. But like, listen to a Nirvana song. Any I did. Nirvana song. It's, it's just it, you so know what? Much... I have to say, I'm going to step in on that and say it was kind of lazy criticism and, and posturing to be like, Fuck you! You like the Counting Crows? Try, try Nirvana. Like I love Nirvana and I love the Counting Crows because they had different types of music. You don't. It doesn't have. A, oh, you need to listen to Metallica. That's real music that rocks. No, like I, I think you can like different types of music and not hold. Nirvana was like a, a punk band basically. So there's. there's but I would types say that Joni Mitchell has more authenticity in any one of the first three albums that she produced than that song does that that to me feels like catering to a sound I get that it. they think they think the audience wants to hear because they listen to their critics at the very least i will say that that to me angels of the silences as we move on to their uh, another single 
Um, Angels of Silence is, is a fun alternative rock song in 1996. Now, whether it carries over to today and it still holds up, at the time, I thought it was a breath of fresh air. Uh, let's listen to Daylight Finger. All right, Jay, let me, let me say this. I think you have a point. The last song and the first single is an example of them maybe being a little overly self-conscious about any criticism they received. Whether that song is good or not, I think they did that as a reaction to critics. I feel like this song, it's never been my favorite Counting Crows song or single. I, I like it because it seems that they're kind of in their comfort zone. This is a counting. This is a, to me a good Counting Crows sing. Yeah, this kind of like hits all the Counting Crows beats. It's if anything, it's maybe a little soulless, which is why it's probably not one of your favorites. Like, I feel the same way. Where I've always really liked it because it sounds like what a Counting Crows song sounds like. Right. But it's not something that I'm ever kind of seeking out, or like it doesn't kind of hit at another level. This is my second favorite song on the album. Okay. Easily. And there's something about um, Adam when he's singing about weather. He likes singing about weather. I don't know what it is. When he's singing about weather, there's there's an authenticity. And I don't know anything about this guy. I don't know where he's from or anything. But there's just, it's if, if he puts you in a time and place, there's nobody like him. And honestly, that first album, I was in a time and a place. And I was in their time, and I was in their place. And most of this album... They're trying to put me in the top four, and it's and it's where they went wrong. So, were you actually a fan of the first album? I was near a fan. I, okay, you, you were suspicious ask me that of question them? again because I think I got a bump. All right. Were you so? Were you a fan of the first album? I was near a fan. I was I was as close as a fan as you could get. When I heard that first album, I thought to myself, "Let's see." And and it's kind of like when I heard the second album from the Wallflowers. I thought, let's see. Because I didn't hear the first album. I don't think any of us heard the first Nobody album. Nobody did. And, uh, of course, the Wallflowers imploded. And I think these guys, to, to their credit, were successful. I, I'm not denying the fact that this has broad appeal. Well, this was a this album, really. I mean, whether Jay likes it or not, this album really was a, a hit for them in terms of following up a monster album with something that sold well and had had some hit singles on it it i think it succeeded in what it was going for and i think this song bob i think we're on the same page with it it's like it's not the best counting crow song because it doesn't have it's maybe listening missing a little bit of heart yeah but it does it's a very counting crow song like for a band that there was pressure to have a single it's like all right here take daylight fading maybe this will this is kind of like taking omaha from the first album just to the next level of let's bring it up a notch but it doesn't um i mean it was a cool video i remember seeing the video and being like oh this is going to be a big single and it wasn't no it was kind of just something yeah it was just kind of there uh track four is called i'm not sleeping um you know what's funny about this song is that this is a perfect example of 
I'm, Bob, I'll speak on your behalf. Tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I love the song. It's a very, like, if you, like, are a nerdy County Crow fan, it's a song you listen to and you just, like, you're alone in your room and you're, like, really connecting with the lyrics and enjoying it. But if you're not a Counting Crows fan, it probably is like, where's the melody? Where, where's the hook of this song? It's kind of there's gonna a little a few, disjointed. Yeah, there's going to be a few more of those in this album. But that is, this is definitely like a song for fans. And I remember, like, I probably listened to this album as much as any other album in high school. Like, this and Verses by Pearl Jam and Weezer and Oasis, like, they were at the top tier of, like, this was on all the time. So like this song I've heard a million times. Yeah, like I can hear like I can hear like the frets on it, like uh, them putting their fingers down the frets of the next note. Like I've heard this so many times. It's probably the album I've. I would put this because it was the follow up to the first album yeah. and how much anticipation there was. It would probably be this or you know maybe an Oasis album for the album I listened to the most of any album. I think we got this the night it came out. Like. It did. I remember no. we were. It was the day it came yeah, out. Yeah, the day it came out after school. I remember it vividly because we um, uh, we went to Tower Records in Nanuet, New York, and we went and we got the album. This is, you know, if you're a younger person, you don't realize that it used to be a whole process, and there was like physically you're holding it. And I remember sitting outside on the curb in front of Tower Records, kind of thumbing through the CD booklet. Which had all the lyrics and had a lot of like uh, photos of the band and adverts and all that, and it was so exciting. I don't even know how we got there. Maybe your mom took us there. I mean, a mom must have gotten us there. But we got there because it was important to get there, and the first day was out. Let's listen. girl I was with used this song to try to prove to me that they were good. Ooh, bold move. Interesting. And it, it really and, and just, honestly, honestly, it worked. It's a home run swing. It like was. It really was. And, I, and, and she was a very bold girl. She was a very, very, like, viciously smart girl. Um, was it Courtney Cox? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, um... Jay, did you fuck Courtney Cox in the mid-90s? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> uh, it, I, I think her name was Jessica. Uh, <laughs> but um, it made me listen to the rest of the album. And for me, uh, the rest of the album fell short. And, and this album, this song to me, is a legit attempt at musical artistry. It's a legit attempt. There's horns. There's strings. There's 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 an attempt here at at surpassing. Well, it's super ambitious for it's sure. Very ambitious. It's like got the, and I always respect that. It's got all the hallmarks of the follow-up album after the first album blows up, which is they were able to, God knows, especially in the mid '90s when the record business was thriving still how much money was spent making this album because it was such an important album, I think, for Geffen, which is what they were on. So they probably had a bottomless budget. 
So they probably like flew in like the San Francisco Philharmonic or something to play strings on this. Uh, but I like it. I mean, I feel like no, it's not a bad song. This I, is I a like good it example too. of uh, Duritz like kind of being hyper confessional, which I always liked, and then it's a little disjointed. Yeah. Again, rain, rain, coming rain. Go away, come again some other day. Just talking about weather. I mean, I think one thing that is kind of like their big allure, like the thing that the Counting Crows and Adam Duritz does well, is convey emotion in his voice and in their songs. And there's, I mean, it's all out there in this song. Like, whether it's good or not, he's just, you could just tell he believes everything he's saying. Throughout. Yeah, Duritz, Duritz, if nothing else, you could hate Duritz. You could just mock him for the way he looks and his, his dreadlocks and the fact that they're probably extensions. Uh, the fact that he's a man named Adam Duritz with dreadlocks. All that is all fair game. But the one thing you can't really get on Duritz about, I think he's he was always as a lyricist and even as a performer in general, like super authentic. And I think he put himself out there. Uh, and in the way his vocal performances and, and his lyrics, if you listen to it, like he was the real deal. He was not maybe the music and maybe the way they were marketed in that first album. Uh, you could have issues with them that they were a product. But I think Duritz was like a legitimate artist. And I thought it was interesting that you said that your ex-girlfriend, unless it's your current wife. No, no not at all. <laughs> your ex-girlfriend. Unless it's your current girlfriend. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no, that no. your wife side. doesn't know about. Right. It's not her either. In which okay. we're cool because your wife doesn't listen to our no, podcast. We're fine. No, she doesn't listen, and neither does my current girlfriend. It's all yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, Safe yeah. space. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. But I thought it was interesting that your ex-girlfriend uh, from the '90s was saying, "Hey, you're not convinced on the Counting Crows." First of all, she was probably connecting the same dots, Bob. Like, wait, you like all this other fucking bullshit from the '70s? Definitely. And then he, this this song, this artist. That is slavish in their devotion to that those artists you don't like, but they were that band. The Counting Crows were a very interesting band in this in this time in pop music, where there were a lot of people that loved this band, and then a lot of people that hated them, and there was very little middle ground. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I never I, I didn't I never listened to the radio. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't a part of all that. I, I I think I stopped watching MTV when I graduated high school in 1994. Just the way you said MTV makes you sound like an old yeah, person. Yeah, you said MTV like a guy that remembers the Buggles. Yeah, the way don't I stopped that. listening to the MTV. <laughs> so I, I don't I I'm not aware of the what what people thought of this band. It was just it was how they. Uh, how I reacted to them viscerally, right? And and it was just uh, it was not authentic to me. This music. Dude. This is good. But, night I, but I will say, like yes, listening listening to this album, it's bringing back a lot. And and honestly, it's not as bad as I uh, it's not as bad as I remember. No, I'll you actually honest. like it. Yeah. By the time we get to track thirteen, you're gonna yeah, be like, you'll be all in. I fucking love this band. I'm gonna fuck them. We'll see. Well, so Jay, why does it have to be sexual? Good night, Elizabeth. A nice uh, mellow song. Now, Dad, you have an ex-girlfriend named Elizabeth. Let's talk about this. <laughs> Let's dig in on that. <laughs> she broke my heart. Um, I do remember making in college, senior college, a like a slow down type mix, like a go to go the fuck to sleep CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and calling it "Good Night, Elizabeth," which you know, it all played, it all put together. Worked well. 
That was a nice little move, I thought. Um, this is like kind of got a little bit of a uh, country uh, flair to it, which they, I guess there was always a little bit of that influence, but this one's a little more on the sleeve, uh, personal. Yeah, no, this has definitely been on many sleepy mixes for me. Well, that's cute, the way guitar. you called it sleepy. That's usually what I call them. Sleepy There's a lot mixes. of lap guitar. And you say stuff, sleepy? Which yeah, I sleepy. think is ultimately what draws the Hootie comparison, is the lap guitar. Did we jump ahead to the next track? Yeah, wait. Does Hootie have a lot of lap guitar? <laughs> I think so. I, I think <laughs> they like did. like hyper-plugged in on this generic mid-'90s rock. I like it. Yeah, I mean, what I didn't like, <laughs> I, I didn't like passionately. Uh, I am going to, Bob, nominate uh, this as the mf of Recovering the Satellites, Children in Bloom. Never did anything for me. It's very interesting we should say that because I feel like when we when we got this album, when it came out, this was the song that we agreed was the worst song on the album. We skipped over it all the time. We never liked it. Years later, I did finally grow an appreciation for this song. Is it because as the years went on, their albums got continually shittier? So Maybe. a bad song off one of the albums that you love all of a sudden sounds a lot better. Maybe. I mean, I think I like this part right here. Okay, Sunlight Jack. Weather Jack, rather. It's fine. Yeah, I, it's fine. I yeah, mean, it's it's not a bad song. It's not a good song. Ultimately, the, the the main gripe I have, and I think probably if if they were to admit it, a lot of people have with Counting Crows, is that the motherfucker's just whining. Well, whining, whining, that's like the word that goes with the Counting Crows. Yeah, that's what you hear the most. he's just whining. And, you know, it's like, look, I, I know, I know it sounds terrible, but like, you know. But Kurt. so much, I, I feel like a lot of music is whining. Who? There's, like, music. Who? A, lot, a lot of dudes whining. Yeah, no, but like literally the act of whining. <laughs> a lot of music, like dude. Kurt whining. Cobain. Kurt Cobain. I guess he's right. Was he whining? Yes, he was whining, whining figuratively, but he was screaming. He wasn't whining. He wasn't. Wah. I would say Radiohead whines a lot. I, I, and I only like one Radiohead okay. album. You know what I mean? It's but I mean, like, but they, they don't get that shit the way the Counting Crows do. Well, for me, they did. But uh, I, I, I hear you. I hear you know you. who I think whines? Led Zeppelin, fuck those bitches. <laughs> yeah, well, no, right. I feel like there's it's a like, lot of Ooh, the Lord of Rings throw it to the guitar I feel solo. Like the difference between whining and you know being rock music is whether or not you like them going into it. Like, yes, I feel like I, no, I, if you I, like I the Counting Crows, that's not whining, that's emoting. And if you don't like them, it's whining. And that's the thing with them, honestly. I get it. That is kind of whining. It's whining. It is, but if you, but if you but, like it. If you they like lean into the whining, if they lean into Wait, you want him to lean further into the whining? No, I'm telling you. Okay, raining in Baltimore? Further. Come on. Okay. Well, it's fair point. That song it's fair is point. transcendent. Whinage? It's transcendent, Oh, so you think period. that leaning into the whining worked on raining in For Baltimore, that which song. is a song on their first so you're that, saying You're saying crack up the whining. <laughs> I'm saying be that's who risky. you that's are. That's a high wire act. That's Really, really. I, it, but that's what that's what this is. That's what this you know is. What? That's what what's what perfection is. Hold that thought, Jay, because 
Raining in Baltimore is, you're right, a great example of Duritz turning up the wine to 11 and it working. And we're going to get to a track in a little bit where he turns it up to 11 and it doesn't work. But this song, um, every uh, episode we pick one track uh, that uh, we will use for our Spotify playlist and add it to our growing Spotify playlist, which is almost Sweet 16 now. Not quite legal, though, Jay. Hands off the Wait merchandise. <laughs> why, why me? <laughs> uh, but anyway, Have You Seen Me Lately is on my Mount Rushmore of Counting Crows songs. Let's listen to it. Thoughts, Bob. I agree. It's a Mount Rushmore Ken Crow song. It's one of those songs there that when they put out those live CDs, whether it was uh, by the time I got to Woodstock or the ones that kind of were like, live from New York, I think live from New after York. this album. Yeah. This is a song that they've done so many different ways. And amazingly, this isn't even the best version of this song. I feel like they've done this song better. It's a very good live song. Over Absolutely. the years, they've like just transformed it into different. Ver- there's like a slow version of the song. There's like a mid-tempo version. Like they've done this song so many different ways, and I think that says a lot about the song that they can. Like the subject, like this is like that. I'm famous now, and I don't know who I am anymore. Kind of song on the second album, but it doesn't come across as like that overly obnoxious. I'm famous like look at me it's like yeah i don't know what i am anymore which it's, i think is super cool it's a little bit like you know it's a little nail on the head in terms of the song is called have you seen me lately like there's no there's no vagueness to it at all but you know what like duritz is to me the perfect guy to write this type of song at least in the 1990s this guy that was a tortured dude before he ever got famous yeah and then he got super famous and and in terms of his personality and the way he his DNA, like he was not ready for it. And this song, I feel like he does a really good job taking you into like how fucked up his headspace is. And I'll also add that if and Jay, you brought up Angels of the Silences as maybe kind of a generic uh, attempt to change their sound. I think this song does a really good job of changing their sound and adding some more electric guitar and getting away from the the comparisons to their the older music and like mixing in like old county crows and new county crows in a good way yeah this to me is like evolutionary rain king it's like the next yeah i like that i honestly haven't heard this song in years and just listening to it despite you guys prattling on i mean we were really we did not stop talking well that's what we did that's a fantastic song (laughs) yeah that's a really good song uh, this is Miller's Angels, which I think is raining in Baltimore gone wrong. Children dreaming wrong and right, wrapped in grace and innocence. Straight up MFR right here. Right in the middle of the album. Does not do anything at all. Maybe yeah, maybe that. gives you a little breath after Have You Seen Me Lately, but aside from that. It doesn't stand alone. He's done so much better than this with yes. this type of song. Yes. It just it didn't work. 
And this is this is to me it was like it was like oh you're trying to do this again and you're forcing it and you're not you're not you're not reinventing anything you're just trying to do the same thing that you did before one of the only things that really truly worked you're trying to do it again and you're not hitting it and and, and it was it was it was it was tragic for Excuse me. me for this album it was tragic well, let's slow down with the tragedy. I mean, uh, you know, in the in the scope of things, you know, it wasn't 9-11. Think about being in the band. Was that a 9-11 reference? We got oh, a 9-11 reference. We're, we're five years before right now, so that was really forced. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I was the one who made it, though. I mean, but I guess shit. this song is kind of funny when you think about the Counting Crows as the band, and, like, Duritz comes in and he's like, hey, man, I got a new song that we can maybe put on the new Wait, LP. What is, who is Duritz? Is Duritz Bob Dylan? <laughs> hey, man. No, man. It's like, it's called Miller's Angels. Let me wrap it out uh, on the piano. Maybe the worst Duritz impression. And they but. keep on, they keep on like, all right, well, let's, let's plug in while you go through it on the piano. And then they have no way to get into the song it's just like yeah. a sad it's just a meandering mess we, we, we've both seen them in concert a few times i feel like i've gone to the bathroom every single time that's a perfect played. time to go to the bathroom yeah. why the fuck would they play that live on well, that was, tour they did there was one concert we yeah. saw which was one of the most unique concerts i've ever seen where they had um set up their set list to start with all these slow miserable songs and then build to a crescendo and I remember that was, I think we were at Jones Beach. And I remember it like, yeah. while that sounds cool in retrospect, I feel like after I left the concert, I was like, that was really cool. I just remember the first like half hour of that concert being like, what are, what are we doing here? Yeah, Dirt's is a little like bit It was like Miller's Angels and Raining in Baltimore. And like, that's the beginning of their concert. And it just like took a while before it got into mid-tempo and then it ended with you know the angels of the silence how, how long was the concert was it like three hours yeah i mean it was like probably a, a typical concert two-hour concert 90 minutes there two was, hours but yeah it was we, a weird we a it was a weird structure to see that very hit and miss as a live act on some level because like for instance bob and i saw them for the first time on this tour in december of 96 first ever concert there you go and yeah. cake was the opener and it was a, it was a real fun concert to be at and we were so excited but probably i would say like at that time in my life the thing that i like top 10 things i would look forward to in my teenage years was going to this concert oh my god we got the tickets we called Ticketmaster because it was 1996 we were at my house it was me you and our friend sam the three of us we called Ticketmaster and we got our tickets lightning crashes sam for uh, <laughs> listeners of the yes, show yes exactly and uh, we got our tickets, and it was so exciting because we were 16. We were going to take a bus into New York City to see them at the Beacon Theater. Yeah, although you're misremembering, Bob, we bought the tickets, uh, hard tickets, at Tapeville. We called Ticketmaster to try to buy the tickets, and we couldn't. Right, and then we yes. got them at Tapeville, and it it's such an important memory in, in terms of like my formative years that I remember how much they cost. They were $25 each. $25 yeah. each. Hefty we, price. We took a bus into the city, and I remember... We took a cab from the Port Authority to get to the Beacon, and um, we had not spent a lot of time in the city uh, as uh, without parents at this point, as 16-year-olds. No, not at all. So it was very scary to get into a cab and not know where the fuck we were going. But we made it alive, thank God. And uh, we got out. I mean, it was Rudy Giuliani, New York, right? Or no, was it Giuliani yet? Yeah, it was Giuliani. New yeah, it was, we're, New York wasn't as scary. As I know, we were post-Dinkins. Yeah. But... Uh, we got there and it was like December, right? 
It was. December. So it was like holiday season. There were all these people outside. There was a guy handing out posters, Rolling Stone posters. Do you remember who was on the cover? It was Pam Anderson with Beavis and Butthead. Yep. I had that in my room for years. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, yeah, we went into the beacon. I remember hearing the horns from Cake as we walked in. Can I ask you guys a question? Yes. Do you think that your do you think that your love of this band has a lot to do with the live shows and not necessarily the albums? Because here here's the thing. I have a checkered past filled period. <laughs> period. But also exclamation point. Side note, filled with Dave Matthews. Ugh. Oof. Been this is the guy. To our listeners, this is the guy giving a shit about the Counting Crows. Exactly. Loves Dave Matthews' band. I think all of his albums are dog shit. Right. Every single album that guy's put out is fucking dog so shit. So what's your point, Jack? He's fun to go see live. All right, I'm going to say it's the opposite, in fact. Okay. I've had fun memories that concert in particular what we were just talking about was just insanely exciting uh for a 16 year old because we were getting to go into the city to see our favorite band the one of the people we were with was the girl that i was like in love with at the time so it was like everything for a 16 year old boy but in general like the county crows were intensely personal to me uh in an album sense like, I would sit in my room and listen to this album and their first album over and over again. How old were you in, in 1996? 16. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're so, old, dude. You're so old. That, but I'm well, not that I was 21. I was right. 21. But, like, Duritz, if you were a certain type of kid, and I, I'm not saying you're any better a kid or a worse a kid or, like, uh, some type of, like, guy that was like figuring things out above anybody else nothing like that but if you were like kind of a sensitive kid and you connected with adam duritz like that you could really connect with him because he was so intensely emotional like it I makes did, sense i didn't grow dreadlocks but like i wanted to it makes sense still kind of consider it's like the same reason why there is a whole subset of society that is intensely connected to morrissey for instance like that type of hyper-confessional, like, hard-on-the-sleeve type songwriting. Duritz was doing it, and he became a punchline as time went on, and it didn't get any better as the band age. But at this time, they weren't really a punchline. They were just like this young band that had a really fervent following that Bob and I were in that group. This is Recovering the Satellites, by the way, which is the name of the album. Another example, Bob, of a song on this album that if you're a County Grows fan, you like, but if you try to play it for somebody, you'd be like... What the fuck is this? It's not even a real song. Yeah, this is the most like Van Morrissey song. But, on but, also, to, uh, well, but also to, to me, to, it, this, it this song sounds a lot like Comic All right, that's recovering the satellites. Let's move on, Bob. We got to keep moving. Yep, keep moving. Uh, the next track is kind of a throwaway little bouncy number no, uh, number called Monkey. Let's listen. All dressed up, no place to go. Hey, monkey, when you're going to show your face? 
two big takeaways from Monkey. Go, Bob. I mean, these, this is, uh, you said it's like a throwaway. Very important stuff from the song. Number one. Go ahead. This song is about Courtney Cox. Is it confirmed? Confirmed. He's talked about it. This is about Courtney Cox. He used to call her Monkey. And as Adam Duritz famously plowed through the cast of Friends, this At least was... the most important <laughs> parts of Friends. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston, Courtney Cox, David Schwimmer. He banged all of them. David Schwimmer he fucked. fucked Perry too, bro. Adam Duritz. <laughs> yeah, so he was just killing it on Friends. But no, this song is about Courtney Cox. Uh, number two, the line, got nowhere but home to go, got Ben Folds on my radio, introduced Bob Castrone to Ben Folds 5. Interesting. Never looked back. What a shame that was. So there was some <laughs> negative aspects to this song as well. Oh, no, or, this was a positive. very... It was very cool <laughs> because, again, looking back to the 90s, there weren't a million ways to find new music like there is now. Like a guy mentioning another band, like a guy that you love, a band that you love, saying that they listened to something else. It was like, oh, I'm automatically a fan of whatever this yeah, is. That you, was you didn't transfer, but I did. No, no, you, I didn't, yeah. but you did, and that's good. Like that was a pointed reference by Duritz, who must have been really way into Duritz, uh, or way into Ben Folds too. Say, I'm going to use my second album as a platform to say, check out Ben Folds. Ben Folds better be fucking cutting Durant's checks to this day for <laughs> yeah, that reference. Yeah, it's huge. Because how many people were like you uh, got like sucked into Ben Folds because of that reference? Probably. I, ca- I cannot name one Ben Folds 5 song. I That's can't. a different podcast. We'll bring you back for the Ben Folds right, 5 podcast. Good. We probably wouldn't, though, based on no, what Jay not. just said. Yeah, yeah, bad move. <laughs> Uh, the only other time I remember being influenced like that sort of directly was when the Strokes played on SNL. I believe Albert was wearing a Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's button. And at the time, I had like, heard a couple of their songs, and I was like, oh, I have to like this band because the Strokes uh, like For it. the record, I saw the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's in Uh-oh, an absolutely empty club. Nobody was there. Oh, there he is. I saw him in a literal closet. I'm not <laughs> joking. They were just the Yeah, Yeah's. It actually happened so bob did you ever like find a band organically or did you just base all your bands upon other bands you like saying listen to this music what's more organic than that it's pretty organic bro uh (laughs) this is mercury all right whatever uh very close to an mfr for me another it's got kind of some country inflection to it let's listen to it change so suddenly she's just like mercury Jay, you're shaking your head. If, if I because re- I like this song. Oh, you really in. like this song. Yeah. It's a good song. If I remember correctly, it's a really short song too. So I feel like this filled out the it's end. Less of, than three minutes. The long, end yeah. of a mixtape when you only had a couple minutes left at the end of the tape. This fit. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's. I guess. Yeah. I never looked at it that way. But mixtapes in the old days, you would have to find that song sub three minutes sometimes, and this was it. I don't know. Like this is the song that like, if you were a girl, I would think, and I, I wish we would have a girl that could chime in on this if you're a big county crows fan you'd probably listen to the song because it's it's dirt's talking about a girl that is kind of mystical and hard to figure out and the girl would probably be like that's me <laughs> well okay for me that's how jay did it so. for me this song reminded me of kind of like a robert johnson jam it, 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 you know and, and it was it was a little bluesy it was uh, a little simple it was yeah it was short which was nice it, it wasn't so whiny. It was just, it just sounded like some guys 
jamming, which is why this yes, was my I favorite song on the album. There, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm gonna. I like this song a little bit better now than I did then. Uh, the penultimate track, and also in, in all the albums I've ever owned and loved, one of the more curious track listing choices ever, because I think track twelve on um, "Recovering the Satellites" by the Counting Crows is the song that I think. If I had to pick, if you had to put one song, and it doesn't mean it's a Spotify playlist song, but the most Counting Crows song, and probably if it was like, put this in a desert cat, uh, you know, put this in a capsule, put it underground, it best sums up who the Counting Crows were, it would be this, to me anyway, a long December. die on the hill for that song you could be you could hate the counting crows and jad be curious your thoughts on it but i think this is such a, a great fucking song that not only has a nice hook and it, it just sounds good but it also like takes you to a certain place i love this song this is one of those songs that when we got the album i think because it's buried at track 12 was like that song as a fan that you're listening to and loving that you never imagined would be a single. And even though it is... Maybe that's why it's track 12. Yeah, I mean, even though like now in retrospect, it's obviously a single, I feel like this was a song that I just, you know, I would listen to and it was like, this is one of my favorite songs on the album, but you never kind of imagined that it would kind of find the masses. Was this song... Was this? Let's go back to Ben Folds 5. Another sort of song like that where you're like, I'm surprised that this became a single, but in retrospect, it makes sense. It was That's, a single, this song? This was probably one of their biggest This songs. is a huge single. Yeah. This video, makes me so sad. Good. That this, That's what the song's that about. This was a single. And and this, this shit that is shoved down our throats today. Ooh. This absolutely makes me so sad because this is, this is a this fan... Fantastic song, and honestly, I think I forgot the song was on this album completely. Now, I I, I think the, the reason the I think the reason I kind of overlooked this album, this song rather, was because I it was probably on the radio and I probably heard it a lot. You know, when I was listening to the album, that's probably why I always kind of thought more fondly of the previous song. But th- that song right there, that song. I honestly thought that was on the first album. I really did. I thought that was that good. The yeah, it, it's a great song. After this guitar solo, the reason I pause it is because probably my favorite instance of Duritz's songwriting ever. So let's just listen okay. to it. I think the lyrics in this 
You could hate her, it's all you want, but I think the songwriting and the lyrics are amazing in this part of the song. Drove up to Hillside Manor sometime after 2 a.m. And talked a little while about the year. I guess the winter makes you laugh a little slower, makes you talk a little lower about the things you could not show her. And it's been a I think that I think that's brilliant writing. I and you could hate her, it's all you want, but like that evokes an emotion to me. And it, even today, and you can make fun of the County Crows, like talking about the winner and laugh a little lower, talk a little. That is, that's special. Let me stuff make something clear. Let me make something clear about Durrance. The only thing I have against Durrance is that he's a weirdo. As well, since a, when has that been bad, Jay? That's hold on, hold on. Come on, Jay. We need more weirdos in 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 pop culture. I'm trying not to say this. You just fell into your own trap. I'm trying not <laughs> to say weirdos this. Weirdos are good, <laughs> Bruh. Go ahead. I'm okay. You think he's a wuss? All right, no. Look. All right. I'm gonna okay. Let me start over because I don't want to. I don't want to get into any of that. I don't want to get into that. Let me start over. <laughs> I can't because the music. Shit. Look. Songs too good for you. No, the song is amazing, <laughs> and and honestly, I feel like if Duritz was born in a different time in a different place, it would have been completely different from him. If he had a different band and if he had different producers, <laughs> now no, I think he's a fantastic frontman. I really do, I really do, and 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 I don't know if he's responsible for these lyrics. Is he? Yeah, he it's, is. It's all We've clearly established that he is the principal. Fine, fine, fine. Drive of the band. Fine. That's great. 90% of the shit he's done is shit. But the shit that's not is transcendent. (laughs) By the way, and this is one of those songs. Jay has like think 68% of this album so far. By his own words. I have like three or four songs. All right. I think it speaks volumes that Dirt's never put out a solo album. I mean, I feel like that's... Why not? Because this is his solo album. Like, this yeah, is his right. band. Like, he gets to do whatever he wants. I think that's exactly right, Bob. I think that uh, he kind of knows his limitations as a, a musician, <clears throat> but his lyrics are so confessional and, and the melodies and stuff. I think he is by far the creative driver of this band, so why go and put a Dirt solo album? This is a good song too, by the way. It's a great closer. One minute and twelve seconds. Walk away. Let's listen. Let's listen. Anyway, this change of feeling doesn't make the rain fall. No, This has been several Bob the mixes that I've made. For women in my past and present. Present. Sad mixes. Track closer. Yeah. Very. As we've established, you love putting sad songs in the mixes for girls. and It it says a lot about what's going on within me. Yep. Walk away. God, I love this album. So glad we did this. Even though Jay was here, I still loved it. You know, honestly. Recovering the satellite. I'll be honest. um, It's a much better album than I remember. I really, I, and, and I think I there are songs that I dismissed yep. at the, in 1996 and maybe, you know, subsequent years that listening to them now, 
I, I, I find a new I find a new life. I find a new I find a new breath. But I don't change my position in that they were too withholden to critics that they gave themselves far less credit than they deserved and that they should have stuck to their guns and just did what they fucking wanted to do because every time they sold out it it took half of the 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 integrity that they were you know walking in the door with away and and, and it's a shame because when i'm hearing this now this is a good band yeah i think that listening to it now like it hold not only does it hold up but i think being removed 20 years from the counting crows sort of hype at the time and like the, the they're whiny because there's sort of negative criticism and the hype around them just listening to it as an album now the fact that they were so popular led to a backlash a, in general right it's a completely different experience than listening to the wallflowers album 20 years later where it's like i feel like this album still holds up and it's interesting to listen to and it has like such a sound that's of the time but you could also enjoy now and i think that you're right that they ended up so like this was before like they ended up selling out bad like it got bad after this but not yet not yet no no yeah. this desert life is good too but yep. it ended up getting bad so i feel like the whole the whole prism of the counting crows it's an easy thing to sort of make fun of and laugh at and point out you do a great out endurance impression that i'm I'm upset that we made it. Can we it. hear it? It's raining in Baltimore. What was the song we did in that one skit? <laughs> oh, Sad Taco. Song about a sad taco. Song about a sad taco. Yeah. Um, all right, so there you go. Recovering the Satellites by the County Crows. Now it's time to pick the song. Can and I usually, say something really quick? Yeah. This is about the podcast because I don't know. Yes, Jason. Uh, yes, we did record these last two episodes back to back. I want to say something, and this is about this podcast. Yes. What you guys are doing oh is very fucking cool. Okay. Oh, thank you, Jay. And it's because this is this is something that not a lot of people do anymore, which is listen to an entire album from beginning to end. It's true. And 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 honestly, I like, never do it anymore. This is the only neither time I do, do it. I. Yeah. It's great. Seriously, yeah. I can't remember the last time I did this. And honestly, like the. This and I feel like a fucking asshole for this. Whoa. This album is not on my iPhone. It's on my iPhone now. Ooh, there we go. We it's that. on my iPhone now. Okay. Gotcha. And Jay, I hope you. I hope you understand. Usually, we use the guest uh, <laughs> to choose the song. But I'm with out. The County Crows. It's I'm a little. Out. It's a little too personal for Bob and I. Understood. So, uh, Bob and I will choose. In fact, Bob, I have so much faith in you. Uh, to choose the song that I'm not even going to offer mine because I know you're going to choose something right as the song to add to our Spotify playlist. Tell people what it's going to be. In fact, I'm going to hover over the song because I know what you're going to choose, but I'm not going to uh, say anything. This is fantastic. No, that's fine. Um, hold on, though. Did we skip over or did we talk over another Horse Drawers Blues? We did. Did we talk over or to skip over it? We talked over it. Interesting, because I... You know, I had a ton to say about that. That was one of my favorite songs on the album. That I have. Can we can we talk no, about it really fine, quick? But we definitely shouldn't. We should no, wrap up. We're fine. Show. We're wrapping it up. But I just realized that we hadn't heard that. There are there is literally one person in America that's going to be upset listening to this. No, I'm like, fine. Why aren't and they talking about it? I'm fine with and they're fine. No, I feel like we're going to do. Uh, we have to do. Have you seen me lately? Yes, Bob. That's right. <laughs> that was the right answer. Yes, that's okay. the right answer. Uh, 
Check out the Throwback Podcast at Throwback Pod on Twitter. Um, that's where you can communicate with us. Also, you can suggest what albums that you want to hear in the future. Jason Zumwalt, you've said it all and you've done it all. And we thank you. We subjected you to uh, early period County Crows and you came out of it alive and well. Perhaps a sneaky Happier fan. man. A happier man. Follow and at and Jason Zumwalt for his hot takes on the world around us. Thank you, guys. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. Uh, until next week, this is Dan Hansen signing off for my bosom buddy, but we know the throwback podcast. That was a HeadGum Podcast.